Welcome to Zimmerman Podcast, Episode 11. What better way to celebrate our 14th wedding anniversary than having none other than Brian Zimmerman on Zimmerman Podcast. This is basically the very first time Brian has ever entered the Zimmerman space with me, and I'm so excited for y'all to get a sneak peek into really who we are and what our partnership is like. We're sharing our secret to growing up and growing old together, how we run our finances so there's a means of connection both in the lean years and in the years of abundance, and why we hate the term breadwinner. Let's all say thanks to Brian for being willing to sit in my foam padded closet while we recorded one of the most intimate and in-depth Zimmerman podcast episodes yet. Brian, there's no one else I'd rather do this life with than you. Happy anniversary. Welcome to the Zimmerman Podcast with your host, CEO, wedding professional, educator, and mom, Jessica Zimmerman. In just two years, Jessica went from facing bankruptcy to taking home a six-figure salary. She turned a business-saving $100,000 loan into a million-dollar empire. As a creative entrepreneur, a healthy work-life balance seems just as unattainable as a six-figure income. But Jessica Zimmerman is here to show you it's possible. With the right tools and insider tips and some hard work, your craziest dreams can become your daily routine. If you set some boundaries and commit to healthy changes, you can create a business and a life you love. So let's make your business work for you. Brian, welcome to your first episode of the Zimmerman Podcast. This is your first time uh, being here with us. We're so excited. Hopefully it's not the last. Um, And you are quite literally the Zimmerman behind Zimmerman, right? Because you are Brian Zimmerman. So we wouldn't have what all this is without you for so many reasons. Um, first of all, you've provided the name, which is great. And um, as we know, you co-signed Jessica's loan that allowed her to transform a Southern tradition into Zimmerman events. And if you want to hear more about that, check out episode two. And you're basically Jess's number one support system, and you totally enable her to do what she does for so many entrepreneurs. Um, we're going to talk a lot about finances today. Because we're on our months here at Team Zimmerman where we really hunker down and do some annual planning and figure out our numbers and things like that. But because this is technically a questions with Rachel, I'm going to ask you some other questions that aren't necessarily finance related from the greater Zimmerman audience as well. Are you ready? I am. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited about this. (laughs) No pressure. So... The first question, we, at least I have heard little bits and pieces from Jess about when y'all first met, but I want to hear from your perspective. What was it like meeting Jessica Zimmerman before she was Jessica Zimmerman? Wow. You know, she was, I just remember this big smile and she's always had that, I mean, that same I guess you could say excitement. And I mean, she was just, there was something different about her. But when I met her, she was just this bright, bubbly personality, beautiful, and just a very interesting person. And we did have a a good connection right from the start. It was exciting. I guess we've heard, have we heard the whole story from, from your perspective? No, the Cliff's Notes version is we both went to the University of Arkansas. It was freshman year. I was in a sorority. He was in a fraternity. Our sorority and fraternities were matched up to do a competition called Greek Sing. And 
there was a choreographer and it was like a dance number and really no singing involved right there was there which was, was which was a really good thing yes zero singles. and the choreographer was matching people up and she grabbed my hand and grabbed brian's and i remember it so vividly like it was yesterday i just turned around and i just was expecting to be like hi i'm jessica and like that was it and go back to talking to my friend and i spun around and i was like Oh my gosh. And I think I like sheepishly was like, hi, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Jessica. I do remember that. And you put up your hand to ha- shake my hand. To shake your hand. Mm-hmm. And because um, I was so like nervous. He just was beautiful. Like, I don't know how to explain it. He was just really good looking. And he. And thank goodness nothing has changed. Okay. <laughs> like a fine wine. <laughs> I mean, but, and it, I had a, I had a, boyfriend at the time like a long-term boy I mean we'd been together a couple years merely a speed bump and (laughs) and so I didn't know anything about Brian other than his name I called my parents that night and said I've got to break up with my boyfriend who by the way they like loved and adored we they loved his family that everything and so I called and I said I've met this guy I've got to break up with his name was Matt I've got to break up with Matt and so that I have the freedom to, you know, flirt with or pursue this other guy. And they were like, no, like, what are you talking about? No, you don't even know this guy. He could be, he could be a drug dealer. He could be, you know, <laughs> I mean, we, we didn't know anything about, about him except his first name. And they just thought I was crazy. And I guess it, I, it took me about a week, but I did break up with Matt. And then like that same day, this makes me sound horrible, but I'm a go after what I want. But you know, I was going to jump in here. I'm, I don't want to interrupt you, but I I am because that is what has not changed about Jess. I mean, she knowing her all these years, I mean, that is, that's her all the way. It's like, oh my gosh, I've got to, you know, I want that. I'm going to get it. I'm going to go after it. And it's, I mean, it sounds silly, but no, that's, that's her personality. And that has not changed. That's always been always been there she goes after what she wants and she's persistent and she uh and so she basically came, she came after me so basically i met brian on a wednesday and on sunday night i was breaking up with my boyfriend matt and right after i broke up with him like this makes me sound horrible once again but i just knew one of my friends all my friends thought i was crazy and they said what are you doing because matt was such a great guy, yeah, like great guy. such a great guy. I mean, mm-hmm. we, I still to this day adore his family, adore him, but there was just something when I turned around and met Brian for the first time that I just knew. And I remember telling my parents, I said, I don't know if I'm going to marry him, which by the way, this sounds crazy. All I've done is introduce myself to this person. That's it. That's all I've done. And <laughs> I think back on it. I think it, it, it does sound a little crazy, but I said, I just have this gut feeling that this person is supposed to be in my life in one way or another. And I need to have the freedom to pursue that. So I broke up with Matt. An hour later, I went to Brian's dorm, his dorm building. And I had a friend who also lived in the dorm building. I think it was like 10 o'clock at night. Like it was, it was late, but once again, I'm going to go for it. I'm not going to wait until the next day. And we didn't know which room was his. I went down to the RA and who had like a, a secretary kind of desk who had a, a list of everybody and somehow convinced that because I didn't know your last name. And I somehow I knew that you had a roommate named James. And I said, can I see the I somehow talked this person into letting me see the list, No surprise. which is, by the way, 
Yeah, that's not <laughs> surprising. Not, rule. not at all. And so I noticed there were two rooms in that dorm that had a James and a Brian that were living in it. So I <laughs> memorized those two room numbers, made my friend, her name's Sarah, Catherine. She's in her pajamas. She's ready to go to bed. And I, you know, had put makeup on and was going to meet this person and figure out more about him. So we casually walked by his dorm room. No. (laughs) That's how we did it back then in college. Like we left our doors open. Everybody kind of talked in the hall. And so I, (laughs) I, I'm not an actress whatsoever, but I tried to be one. I walked down the hall, walked past his room, saw him in there. And I was just kind of like, Oh, I was in there studying. Yes. And he had a Carmen Electra poster or a Jenny McCarthy poster, something like that. Above I, I his... believe I had the Carmen Electra and my roommate James had the Jenny McCarthy. Right. So the only the only positive about that was he liked brunettes, I guess. Um, Absolutely. So but he's there studying, which I didn't re- really know what that was like. So I thought, well, that's good. He's studying. But I just was like, oh, oh hi, hey. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, is this where you live? And my friends are kind of, I was like, oh, well, I just came over to see Sir Catherine and we were just walking and, and, and she's just like, hi, in her pajamas, like just so ready for this to be over and to go to bed. And I was like, I am just so hungry. Like I'm, I'm starving. I just never got anything to eat. And then Brian's like, oh, I just ate some popcorn, I'm, you know, or something like that. You just. No game. No game. He had no idea that I was interested in him or hitting on him or anything, just completely oblivious. So I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll see you Wednesday at practice and walked out, went down to Sarah Catherine's room, dramatically laid on the floor and said, what have I done? Also, nothing has changed. Yes. And uh, I've broken up with Matt. Brian doesn't want to have anything to do with me. And during this time that I'm having my dramatic scene and Sarah Catherine is literally getting in bed past covers over her. Like it's just so ready to go to bed. Um, the phone rings, Sarah Catherine's phone rings, the dorm room, because I didn't know that. But at the time, while this is going on, while I'm having this little dramatic meltdown and wondering what I've done with my life, what decision have I just done? And your next door neighbor had heard the whole conversation goes over to you and says, what are you doing? She was totally asking you to like, what are you thinking? And you were like, no, that's not hap- that. That's not what that was. And he was like, yes, call her right now. Go get some dinner. Like, you, what are you? What are you doing? Yep. Brian had no clue. And so, oh my god, I knew. I knew where I knew Sarah Catherine just from in the dorm. Yeah. And I was like, I, I can find her. I knew. I guess I knew a room number or somebody did, and so we just called down there. Yeah. And so she answers it, and she's like, oh. Hi, Brian. And then I perk up and she says, Oh, dinner? Oh, you want oh me too? And I and I like I'm shaking my head, like, no, you are not going with it. It's just me. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, I can't go, but I think Jess can. And so then Brian came down, got me. We went to Taco Bell because that was the only thing open. And we have been together ever since. Yeah. And that was That's Taco Bell eighteen. February of two thousand and one. So that was 18 years ago. Yep. Brian, you said that when you first met Jess, she sheepishly said hello. I think that's the only time I have ever heard someone or anything about Jess described as sheepish. Um, But it seems like she quickly 
got over that and became the powerful person that we all know and love. So when you met her, when you were dating her, when you were in college, did you already see and know that she had this like powerful CEO, educator, encourager inside of her? <laughs> I don't know about that, but I did know that she just, I knew that she was a, um, no, <laughs> I was, no, I was, no, I hated no, classes. No, yeah, absolutely not. I didn't skip my first class until I started dating you, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's fun. you know, I was always the, I need to do, you know, I, I need to get my stuff done. I need to focus. I'm here. You know, it's, and I mean, I, I had fun too, but she was just, uh, Brian's a rule follower. He's, yeah, he studied absolutely. for those exams and he had a 4.0 and yeah. all of those things. She was, yeah. So I would say the answer to that is no, but that come, that came later. I would say you would agree with that for sure. Jess. So oh, a hundred percent. She was just always very outgoing and, you know, fearless and, just fun to be around. And so that would, that, the powerful CEO that, uh, that didn't, that didn't come out till later on, but I do know this, she was excellent at the time. I guess you were, what was your major at the time? You were broadcast journalism. I don't know. I had like four different majors, but you were very, she was always very articulate, good at writing papers. And I was terrible at that. And I was always very jealous of that. And you could just like, well, I would convince my professors to let me skip like the whole semester of classes if I could just write like one really amazing paper and not have to take tests. I would rather study for an exam and you would rather write a paper. And mm-hmm. if somebody told me I had to write a three page paper, it was just like a, no, I mean, yeah. it was just, and just was, you know, you could sit down and knock out like a 10, 20 page paper in, you know, an hour. I would do it the night before. Was yeah. And me, I just dread, I saw it on the, on the syllabus and just dreaded it the whole time. But, uh, yeah, she, she didn't have that, uh, that CEO drive that came, that came later. We're seeing that now for sure. How does that come about in your, um, like daily lives and your working relationships that you're very different people, but you have super complimentary gifts. Um, and what's the push and pull of that? Like, that's interesting because it, it definitely is. And, you know, we, we met when we were young and so we basically have, have grown up together and then, you know, what married a year out of college, move in together. And it's been a, it's been a learning, learning experience the whole way, but we've definitely talked about that before that, you know, when we can get on the, when we get on the same page, we can become a pretty, uh, pretty good team for sure. And cause we definitely compliment one another, but we do have, we do enjoy, enjoy a lot of things, you know, just in our personal lives that we do together. But as far as running our family, running our family business, what I do, what she does, we look at what our strengths are and, and really just try not to, uh, you know, I hate the stay in your lane statement, but we, uh, I, I love it. I say she, it every does, day. she does. I agree with that a lot, but so I would say, how would you, how would you describe that? How, we, we do, cause we've been, we've been told that before and we, we both realize that, that. I think that, you know, our strengths complement each other very well. And Brian's number one strength is adaptability. And that is so great for someone like me because I kind of know exactly what I want. I'm not necessarily, I don't think Brian would ever describe me as flexible. Um, not at all. And <laughs> I know what I want and I have a determination to, to make it happen. And because of that, 
I can sometimes be laser focused, which you need someone who's really adaptable and is cool with that on your team. I mean, Brian is without a doubt, 100% my biggest support. And I don't know if I could do this without him. You know, like if something happened to him today, I think because of the support and the strength that he has instilled in me and that he has given to me, I think I would be able to continue, but I don't think I would have been able to get to this point without Brian. Because the thing that's really great about Brian is that, and I feel really, really blessed and fortunate in this, is that he doesn't believe necessarily in the business. He doesn't believe in this podcast or doesn't believe in my online education. He believes in me. And so like whatever it is that I decide to do, he backs it and supports it a thousand percent. I mean, look at him. He's right here. He's a guest on this podcast right now. You know, he's, he just has unwavering support. And to be honest, I 100% support Brown in whatever he does, but I also want to help by, I'll ask questions and I'm like, oh, we need to make a spreadsheet or we need to do this or, and, and like Brian just supports me. You know what I mean? He doesn't. He doesn't try to like get involved. I don't question. You don't question. You just, and what I mean by, I don't know if I could have reciprocated the the amount of support in the way that Brian gave it to me, to him, if the situation were reversed in the really dark times of my business, because it got bad to where it was. I mean, we might've had to file, we, we were on the brink of having to file for bankruptcy and that was all my doing, you know, and my mistakes. And so I think at that point, when if Brian come to me and his business was almost bankrupt and said, "Well, you go co-sign a hundred thousand dollar loan for me," I would have been like, "Probably not," you know. <laughs> like, yeah, I might have questioned right. it or said, "Is there a business plan? Is there? Show me how this is going to help." And he just said, "Of course." Like he just always believed in me, and there is something about when you have that. And you know that no matter what you do, whether you fall flat on your face and you fail and this whole thing goes belly up, or if you are a billionaire, that this man is going to be beside you and he's going to love you no matter what. Like none of that matters to him. He just is so supportive of me. And I think that really compliments well. We compliment each other well parenting. I think you could probably speak on that. Yeah, absolutely. You're definitely, I'm a little more of the softy. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of parents, you know, there's always going to be good, good cop, bad cop. And I don't like to use that phrase, but you're always, you look more to the planning part of it. The future. The future. And I'm more of the in the now, the day to day. I keep things rolling. I'm, you know, um, and you're more of the, uh, I mean, you're better. I think ahead. And Rachel can attest to this, just working in the business. The team is very day to day and I'm very future and I'm the same in life. And I think when it comes to the kids, I'm always thinking about the fact that we're raising them to live independently in the world Mm -hmm. and they're not going to be four and six, four, four and six forever. And so we got to begin to prepare them for that. And so I just think that that's super important. But Brian and I also work really hard on our marriage. I mean, we go to therapy every Tuesday. Well, we go together. Then Brian goes by himself. Then we go together. Then I go by myself. We rotate. We go every Tuesday. And that has been incredible. That was something at the very beginning of our marriage that 
you were kind of like, I don't know, but now you know how beneficial it's just a conversation. And it's so wonderful to kind of learn about ourselves because you do continue to grow and evolve. And we're very different people than we were when we were 18. Absolutely. But we are still, if not, I believe we're more compatible today than we were at 18. And I think the other thing that really works in our marriage, and this doesn't work for everybody, but it really does work for us is we are two independent people. Yes, we have similar values. That's what it all boils down to. Our values are the same. Mm-hmm. That is what connects us. Both come from good families. We both come from good families. Our values are the same. We want the same things out of life at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Time with our family, to travel the world, to be with loved ones. To raise good kids. Raise good kids. Mm-hmm. Um, to make a difference, to serve others. Mm-hmm. Um so we definitely have that in common, but then we have our own lives. Like I, he's totally cool with me taking a trip by myself and staying back with the kids. And he's about to go on like a guy's trip here in a couple of weeks. And I've got things that I like to do work out. He has his own workout routine. Like we have our own lives. We haven't, we're not codependent, but we choose to be around one another. Yeah. Your partners. We have had some hard years. We've had some really hard years, but I think we are coming to a place now. We know what it's like when it's good and when we're on the same page. And when we're on the same page, we're kind of unstoppable. Jessica's always teaching that your time is valuable. So is hers. So to make this podcast possible, we have sponsors. Here's a quick message about something Jessica loves. Would you pay a dollar a day for more energy, focus, and drive? That's what I get with Beekeepers Naturals Bee-Powered Superfood Honey. Every day, I take a spoonful of their bee-powered honey, and every night, I go to bed after my kids, which is saying a lot. Before bee-powered, I'd be totally out of energy by 4 p.m. Can anyone relate? Running a growing business while being a mom to three kids, including some pretty wild twin boy toddlers, it's exhausting. But with Bee Powered, I feel more focused and driven than I have in a while, like maybe even before kids. You know I wouldn't try to sell you something that I don't believe in and actually use myself, but I love my Bee Powered, and now I honestly can't imagine my life without it. If you want 15% off Bee Powered, go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash B to get yours today. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com slash B-E-E. Hey, are you loving this episode? If you've been listening thinking, oh gosh, I'm so glad I found this. This is exactly what I've been needing. Then I need you to do me a favor. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it on your social media. I can't reach more listeners like you without your help. And these early days and weeks of the podcast are absolutely crucial to building the listener base we need so that we can keep producing content that is free to you and answers all your biggest business questions. So share this episode, tag me at Jessica Zimmerman underscore, and then get right back to listening. Brian, you said something earlier, um, which I say this all the time because I also got married right out of college and started dating my husband when I was 20, 19 or 20. Um, so I always say that we, it's great because we got to grow up together. Um, but a lot of people, including, um, you know, family members of mine, a lot of people say like, you know, don't get married too young because you don't know who you're going to grow to be. And um, so obviously 
as you're talking, you're describing how as you've grown up together and grown together, you've just become better partners. What would you say is kind of the secret to going in the same direction as you grow up together and become different people than the the people who started dating, you know, 18 years ago? I think when you are young and you are going to get married young, you have to be aware enough to realize that you are going to change. This partner of yours is going to change and you're not going to be the same. And thank God. I mean, we don't want to be the same person our whole life. We hope that we grow. We hope that we evolve. Where the problems come is when, and this is inevitable, we're not going to grow at the same rate, right? At the same time and at the same rate. We're there's going to be times where Brian, like for example, in his in his season of of health issues, was it was not at his best, was at his worst, you know, and where I have to kind of pick up the slack. And then the first year of our marriage, I barely got off the couch, and was that was a hard year. And so Brian was better, you know, he was picking up the pieces during that time. You have to know that, and you have to try really hard not to become resentful of one another, which for us, that has helped a lot, you know, in therapy and knowing that like this, this doesn't make us bad or like we're falling apart, or this doesn't mean that we're in on the road to divorce. The thing that I love about therapy is it is educating yourself about yourself. So it's educating our relationship about our relationship. And I think it's really healthy. I think it all boils down to communication, really. And as long as you remain those core values, you're going to be okay. And I think the other thing that it boils down to is trust. You've got to be able to trust that other person. Brian, trust me 100% to go on a trip by myself or with girlfriends and know nothing's going to happen and vice versa. We trust each other with finances. I'm never checking on him financially. He's never checking on me financially. We don't argue about finances at all. And that was something that we figured out, you know, before we got married, how we were going to handle that. You have to look at a few key things, I believe, which is finances, religion. How are you going to spend your holidays? How are you going to raise your children? And if you can be on the same page about those things, and if you start to have an inkling of like, I kind of feel a little differently about X. You've got, you can't keep that to yourself. You've got to come in and say, here's how I'm feeling. Let's talk about it. I'll jump in on that. It's, she's right. The community on all those things. Absolutely. And something that I was not good at and that she helped me was communication, which I think men get a stigma of that. You know, we don't, you know, we hold everything in. I think that's just men are more wired that way. Women are talkers, men are, you know, hold their feelings in, but that was something that she really helped me with. And I learned early on is you have to communicate. And so I became better at that because of her. And we learned to do that, not so much in our earlier years, but we got better at that. Mm-hmm. I think you would attest to that, mm-hmm. you know, really both of us. Absolutely. And, and it's like you said, as long as you know that the values are there, that the trust is there, you know, you know, this is, this is going to work. And now, you know, now there's kids involved, you know, later on, it's like, Hey, you know, we've, we've been blessed with children and, and here we go. I say this about business. I say this about fitness and it wellness, all of the things, but it also rings true with 
marriage and family. It's about commitment at the end of the day. It is about commitment. It is not about motivation. It is not about romance all the time. It is about commitment. At the end of the day, I am committed to building and living this life with Brian. And we also are very aware, and I think this is where like my futuristic stuff comes into play, that our kids are with us for a blip of our life, like living in our home. You know, if you if you're lucky to live to 80 years old, you've got a quarter of your life with them under your roof. And so we have a lot more time together, just Brian and I. And so we know that that is the core relationship and that is what is most important, which is why we are committed is in the calendar every Tuesday. We are forced to to check in with each other because if we didn't have that appointment, life just gets in the way. You know what I mean? You've got to schedule. You have to schedule something. But even before we could afford therapy weekly, we would go to Starbucks and we would every Friday, this was like the beginning of our marriage. We would go to Friday, we would go to Starbucks on Friday mornings and we would spend an hour and just have like the check-in and talk about what do you want to do? What do you want to do in the next couple of weeks? What do I want to do? Um, where are we financially? Um, cause we, we, we are, we are always on a budget no matter where your revenue is. You're, you're always on a budget. You can't spend too much. And so we always check in about that. Brian handles the personal finances. I handle the business finances. Yeah. It's just communication. You have to check in. You've got to check in. It's communication. Okay. I want to um, go back to something we sort of touched on earlier. Um, Jessica, you were talking about when Brian has been just really constant and supportive when things have not um, been the best. And um, we're just talking about, we're talking about marriage and finances and um, finances can be a huge source of stress in marriage. Like some places say that around 20, 21% of marriages that end in divorce ended up that way because of finances. So a hundred thousand dollar loan that you co-signed, Brian, that's like a huge source of financial stress. So what were you feeling when um, Jessica's business was sort of at the point where it was facing bankruptcy and and if you can think back to when you sort of decided to co-sign this loan and commit to um, Jessica's like plan for her business, were you feeling assured? Were you feeling like you just knew that she could do this and you believed in her or were you a little um, nervous and stressed out? Do you remember that conversation we had where I talked to you about that? Probably not exactly. Uh-uh. I basically knew what the numbers were and I knew that the only way to get out of it was to educate myself. And I knew what that was going to cost. And I basically just said to him, the business either goes bankrupt or this, this is kind of the last effort is to get a loan and to educate myself. And I just, I remember looking at him and saying, I know I can do this. I was going to say, that's, that's what I remember. She sat down and she said, Brian, I've, yeah, you did. You said, and you laid it out like that. You said, I, I can do this. I mean, it wasn't like some big official business plan. I'm going to be honest. It wasn't. No, here. it was just a conversation. And, and said, by the way, I didn't know what that meant. I just no. knew, I said, if I can get myself, if I can buy myself a few months of time, mm-hmm. I know I can do this. 
And I looked and at I was her, all the and time. I, and yeah, I looked at her and I said, I know, I, and it is, I just had, I've always known. And I was like, yep, I know it was good. It was, it was really simple. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say there was a little, you know, a little nervousness there, but I just knew. But I've never seen that nervousness from you when it, so you are very steady and supportive, which is great. And now, I mean, I always say like Brian was a financial advisor for over a decade. So he knows about money. He knows about finances. He also has an MBA in business. Um, he's honestly the smartest human being I know. And Brian has what cannot be taught, which is likability. And so he's, he's really a total package. But one of the things that, I mean, as a financial advisor, he could have taken any money that we had and put it in stocks or invested it. And he chose to invest in me and in my business, which is our business. I mean, Brian's not an employee. Brian does not work in the business whatsoever, but we are 50-50 owners of it. And he is at 37 years old, able to live his days the way he wants to, because the investment that he made into our company he is now at 37 years old, getting the residuals from that and being able to live the life that he wants to live. And I don't know too many 37 year olds who can basically say that. Yeah, absolutely. I did. I mean, going back to that just goes, she said it very well. And I, I just knew that I just knew it was going to work. I did. There's that's just that, you know, at some point you just can't you can't always have that sure thing on paper like this is going to work. And this is how it's going to work. And, you know, we'll pay this back at this amount, you know, at, on this date and all of that. I just knew that, that that was a, wasn't just this pie in the sky, like, let's just go do this and, and we'll throw it against the wall and hope it sticks. And we'll, I just knew, I mean, she had a plan and I saw, I saw where she was, where she was thinking, what direction she wanted to go and, and what, uh, what could come of that, you know, so that it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a, a hail mary like let's let's just try that last ditch effort kind of thing. I knew there was a plan there and there was a direction and I, I knew and a drive and, and determination. She had, the, she had the drive to do it and here we are. So she always keeps things interesting. That's for sure. I'm a, I'm a very boring person and I knew that about her from the very beginning. Is that she's she's she intrigued me and I she always has been that way and so. She keeps things fun. I mean, you would agree with that. I'm boring. And if I would just, I wouldn't do anything if it wasn't for you. And I would just. You're not yeah. boring at all. You're, you're simple. You, don't, you, you don't want for much. You don't need much. You, you probably, um, it's easy probably for you to be content, which is a great quality. Yes. It's, I wish I had more of that. I wish that I could be content as easily as Brian is. And so he, he did say to me when we got married, on, on our wedding day, he said, well, one thing I know for sure, life won't be boring with you. <laughs> no, it hasn't. No, it has not. You mentioned the term breadwinner um, and that you don't love that term. Um, what is it about breadwinner that you you don't love and that you want to move away from? It's such an archaic way of thinking, in my opinion. This summer, I probably had three different women come up to me and say something about me being the breadwinner. And I first just thought, I'm sorry, do you have the password to our bank account? Like, why do you assume that? And I think it's because there's been some press recently about 
the business and and everything. And so they just assume that. And they would say things to me like, well, you know, it's very important for the man to feel like they're the ones making the money, like almost alluding to the point that I should maybe even calm it down a little, like that maybe I shouldn't grow. And I just would say to them, I'd say, well, I'd like to think Brian and I are much more progressive than that. And this is our money. This isn't mine versus his. And Brian is very happy with his life and his role and what he chooses to do. Brian is, no one's forcing Brian to do anything. These are Brian's choices. And I think I've, I think I've said all throughout this episode, how successful Brian is on his own and how much he has supported us. And so it's just amazing to me how for all these years, Brian has made financially way more money than I ever did. And no one said that to me. No one was like, Hey, do you need to feel respected or like you're, yeah. Do you feel threatened? You know, do you feel threatened? Like nobody, it, it, it's almost funny. Cause I'm like, do you feel threatened? Like, do you feel threatened that I'm, do, it's just, I think it's a conversation that's not had. And I don't understand why we are still using the term breadwinner. Like, I don't know, Brian, what do you think? No, I agree with that. It's, it's just a, um, and I think it's also maybe a, uh, is it, is it kind of geographical kind of where you are in the, like, I guess that comes back to more areas of the country are a little more progressive than others, but, um, you know, we're in the South and that's just kind of we're in a small town, we're in a small town kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, I think it really all comes down to just do you do it works for your family and, don't really be concerned with because I'm not with what other people are thinking. Again, that we're a unit. We know what's working for us right now. And this goes back to, you know, me stepping away from the job that I was just in. We looked at what really, you know, what was going to work for us in this season right now. Again, this doesn't have to be because I don't look at it for this might not be a and you've helped me with that. It doesn't always have to be a forever thing. Like that's what, you know, this is what's working for us. We might do this for six months. A we year, look at life a year, year at a time. Yeah. And so this is what makes sense for us right now for this year, for this year. And I'm on board and we have a plan. And man, when I'm on a team and I know my role and I have a plan, get out of my way, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the way you are, mm-hmm. you know, and we're a, we're a unit, mm-hmm. you know, we are focused on, and it's not, don't worry about other people. I mean, we have a heart for other people and all that. I'm not saying that it's just, but we know what's going to work for us and, you know, let other people worry about what they need to worry about. And, and if, they it can makes, think what it, if it makes them uncomfortable, that's their issue, not yeah. ours. And at the end of the day, I mean, of course you would much rather be in your zone, really killing it really happy within your family unit and have other people be confused and questioning than have everyone else be happy and have it not be working within your family unit. Here's the thing. If you're wanting to start a business, you need to know your numbers and you need a plan. When you have a plan, you have freedom. That's why I created a free resource to help you figure out what you need to make financially to make your business profitable. The four numbers every business owner should know. It's tempting to close your eyes and avoid looking at your finances because you're scared you won't like what you'll see. 
Ignorance is not bliss. But to make your business profitable and sustainable, you need to know your numbers. To get this free resource, head to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash know your numbers. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com slash know your numbers. Brian, I love how intuitive it is for you to support Jess and just believe that she's going to do what she says she's going to do and what she knows she can do. Um, but I know that that might not be a natural response for a lot of partners out there. So if you could give any piece of advice or suggestions to someone who is watching and help trying to partner with their spouse or even just a family member or a good friend, and they're trying to be supportive, but it doesn't come as naturally to them. What suggestions would you give, especially when there's like finances involved of how to just come alongside someone you're doing life with and, and show them that you're, you believe in them and that you're there for them and that you're in it with them. Um, when it it might feel kind of scary and big. You just have to be supportive and, and just go. It's just, you have that gut feeling that they've got this and they're going to make it happen. And you, you just have to, you just have to know that, you know, it's a, it's a gut thing. It's a faith thing. And, and, uh, I think too, if you had a gut feeling about something, cause you've had this before, I'm sure I, I mean, can't think of any right now, but <laughs> I mean, I know that there are things that I've said, Oh, this would be good. And you were like, ah, oh, you may want to think twice about that. Or you may want to give, you probably said some old man comment. Like you might want to give that another once over or look over. Or something like I, that. Do, I do say old man comment. Um, <laughs> that can be to something like that. That is like, Oh, that, that might actually not be a good idea. And I think you, as the person who's looking for the support, sometimes that's all, that's what, you know, we're just, we just want someone for support, support, support. Your spouse, yes, needs to be supportive, but also realistic with you. And I think Brian had this gut feeling that you told me one time a couple years ago, you said, I just always knew something was going to happen. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how you were going to get there. I just always knew that you were on a path to success. That's what you said to me. And I think that there's also probably been things that I've said that Brian's like, "Uh, I don't know. And I think me, like I have to, I can't always expect him to be 100% fully supportive of every idea I have. You know what I mean? So I also have to listen. Yeah. And let's not, let's not, let's make that clear. I'm not, I'm not just a yes man over here. No. Going, yeah. Yeah, do it, do it, because nobody needs that. Right, that, that leads down the wrong path too. You have, and this goes back to your original question. I, I hope that you just just alluded to that. You can't if if me, the supportive one on the side, you know, can't just be overly critical right out of the gate on everything. You just you kind of have to go on that walk with them and kind of help them be that check and just say. Well, we need to, um, let's, that sounds, you know, that sounds good, but we need to, let's think on that. I'm always, let's, let's, let's pray on that. Let's think about that, you know? Yeah. Let's slow it down a little bit. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's not move and let's think about that a little more. Which is hard for me. Which is very hard for her because I'm, I'm the. I'm a doer. Yes. She's the. 
and you're she, a, she's the we're here now she's time she's like let's buy and this is not a, a spending example like we're buying something but let's just say that's what it was no you know? land that happened earlier yeah. this summer yeah absolutely and uh or let's say a couple's at Lowe's wanting to buy a fridge or something, you know, and it's like, oh, we need to buy this today. It's on sale, and I'm like, that. Eh, I'm not a, I'm not a buy right then kind of guy. I'm a let's let's sleep on it. Let's but now, it. but now, also, also, I will say there are times, and you're right. There are lots of things like that that you are right on about. Brian and I don't buy a lot of stuff. We don't have a lot of things. No, but, that was but, just an example there. But yeah, but for example, we have some land and some more land adjacent to the land we already owned became available earlier this summer and we went out to look at it and Brian's walking it and he's like, yeah, well, this might, this would be nice and da da da. And I literally, uh, I go, I'm, I'm going to call the, a realtor. I'm going to make an offer. And he was like, whoa, whoa, don't you want to maybe think about it? And I go, Brian, think about it. This makes sense. Like this land, if we buy it, it's adjacent to the land we already own. It's gone up in value. It will make the rest of our land go up in value. The because we get first right of refusal on any other adjacent land, like this just makes sense. And someone else is going to get it. And if they do, we're not going to be able to build what we want or something. And I said, so this is this is kind of a no-brainer. And it's land. It's going to appreciate. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not like we're buying a car. This is land. And he was like, you're right. Make the call. But <laughs> let's just say it was a car or something. You would be like, we're going to think about it. Yeah. We're going mm-hmm. to, there are situations where if I feel very, yeah. same thing with the gut. If my gut says yes, all the way you respect it. Mm-hmm. If your gut says no, all the way mm-hmm. I respect it. Absolutely. That's where we, that's where we, uh, the yin and the yang come in there. You're a strike while the iron's hot kind mm-hmm. of person. And that's. I'm willing to take risk and you're more logical. Mm-hmm. So turning the tables, Brian, earlier this summer, summer 2019, you all, I mean, not just you, Brian, you collectively decided that Brian, you wanted to test the waters in the corporate world again, which firm, what the little I know of you, I know that you're a nine, like choosing to change something that much is a pretty big decision. Like that's not nothing. So you went back to work, you went to a nine to five job, um, and then you ended up leaving towards the end of the summer. So I want to hear about that process. I want to hear about like how you guys navigated that as partners and then financially how you decided that you didn't need to continue, you know, adding to your income with what you're bringing in from that job and how you actually figured that out? Oh, this is a good one. Um, that there were a lot of things that, that were involved with that. I, at the time, I just, that kind of is a, you know, preyed on that. It was a gut thing that I wanted, I wanted to try that because for the last I'd say what two and a half years I was working for myself, flipping houses. I really enjoyed that, but that I could see that the market and for how I was going about that business was changing. It was getting tough for me. And so I saw an opportunity for a position at a job that I felt could lead to something uh, that I would that I would really enjoy in the future, but uh, yes, the schedule was a big, big, big hurdle 
Jess and I talked about that and she basically just gave me the, I don't want to stand in the way of this. If you have a good feeling on this, we will make it work as far as the schedule goes, because that would, that would, the flexibility that I've had for the last decade was out the, just completely gone. So we, um, we went for it and I did enjoy it. Um, I'm one of those people that it, it actually gave me a lot of clarity because I, I realized that the, the flexibility that I've always had that I, I really didn't need that. Our family needed that. I needed that. But I also realized that I really enjoyed um, more so than the work I was doing at that time was I just enjoy being around people. And that was the perfect environment for me. It was a smaller office, um, few, few ladies in there, few guys. There was about eight of us, I'd say, total. So it was just a small team. I enjoy being part of a, of a small team. Um, and that was nice. But we quickly realized, you know, after the summer went by that, you know, then you just have to come back and look at it logically. Okay, you know, it's a pen to paper kind of thing. You are being paid this much for being locked in for this amount of time in your day. Where do you see that going? Is it worth, you know, that for what it would lead to? And then we looked at what Jess is doing right now with her business. And it just made sense for our family. And I have no qualms about, again, this, I guess, comes back to what Jess said. You know, I'm one of those that's just whatever needs to be done. I'm willing. I mean, I, I really am. I'm, I'm willing to jump in and, and do what I need to do. You know, for our family, uh, we like to say it's, you know, chapters or seasons, you know, with where we're at our family. This um, it just didn't make sense. And so I had the conversation with them um, at the job about if there was any possibility of adjusting what I was doing. And I realized, I quickly realized that that, you know, they, they said, well, we can see what we can do. But I, I realized that that was just not, that was not fair to them. That's not what they needed. They hired me for that, that time period for what they needed. And I was just not the person for them, you know, for that, um, you know, that position and that role. And so I just, um, I stepped away from that. And so now, um, I think Jess and I more so than anything are on the, really on the same page with where we're at. And we feel it's been really good for our marriage and it's, um, I'm more or less just, uh, as she said, I don't work for Zimmerman. I don't work for her business. I don't have an official title there. Um, or here, I should say, I guess, but I, um, I manage a lot, you know, for our family in our daily, you know, in our daily lives. I do. I've, uh, I'm probably busier now than I've ever been. And, um, and I love it because I know what, what my role is, what I need to do. And I'm willing to, I'm willing to take that on right now. And it's really helped Jess out a lot because the summer was tough for us. It really was. And I real, I quickly, not quickly, but stepping back and look at it, looking at the past several months, 
that was, uh, it just wasn't a good situation for us. And so I like, it was good for me in certain aspects, but I, you know, it, it gave me a lot of clarity on what I didn't want going forward. So it was, uh, it was good for me, but you want to add to that? Yeah. I think if I can just add anything, I would say, I would say this, that like I said earlier, Brian has, Brian is very smart. He has an MBA. He uh, was a financial advisor for over a decade. And then he, what happened was, and you can get all the details about this in episode two, but what happened was he got very, very ill. And about six weeks before he got very, very ill, he changed companies. And with the company that he had just signed on with, I mean, he signed the papers in the hospital the day that we gave birth to the boys or like the day after. Or something. It was, yeah. And um, it was about six weeks after that is when Brian had his first run in with il- the illness. Mm-hmm. And it became very clear to me that he was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And I started looking into his company that he had just signed on with and saw that you cannot file for short-term disability, short-term disability until you have worked with the company for a year. And so I knew that they didn't know, Brian did not have a long relationship with these people at all. They didn't know him. And I, I knew the writing was on the wall. You were getting sicker and sicker and sicker. You were, you know, down to 135 pounds. Like I just knew that the call was coming any day. Like, it's not that you're not great at what you do. You can't physically do it. You're in a hospital bed. (laughs) You're in a hospital bed. There's no way you can do your job. It's nothing personal. But I looked at it from a business perspective and thought, could I continue to pay Kelly if she's in a hospital bed and can't do her job? No, it's nothing personal. I love Kelly, but I've got to take that money and pay someone to work for my business. So I just knew the writing was on the wall. He did end up losing that job. And then when he started to get better, we really sat down. We did what we do every year. We annual plan every single year. And we just really asked each other questions. What do we want for our family? What do we want for our life together? What do we want for this life we're building? And it all came down to time. And so he wanted to try flipping houses, which by the way, to Brian's credit, Brian had never flipped a house before. And the first year that he flipped houses, he made more money flipping those houses than he did as a financial advisor. So to Brian's credit, he's very smart. He's very good at what he does. He's, he's, he doesn't give himself enough credit. So I want to give it to him, but he's, he was very successful at that. And he's also good at checking in and, and realizing which he did the market's turning. It's harder. This is going to be a lot of work and the, the, the profit, the return is not going to be great. And do I really want to continue to do that? If I find a great deal, great. I can still do one, but when you're doing it as a business, you really do have to have three or four a year. And that is what was getting difficult. And so He also, we were communicating and talking and he said, I miss talking to people. I miss that. And that Brian just is that way. I kind of would rather be locked away and just put my head down and do my work. But Brian is very engaging and and a relationship kind of guy. And when he got this offer for this job at first, I mean, I'll be totally honest in my head. I was like, no, like, no, this goes against everything that we have been working towards, which is like freedom of time and being able to just, you know, it was May when you brought this idea to me. And I told, told myself, like, as he's saying it, I said, 
this is his decision to make, not yours. Don't you dare influence it. Like you keep your mouth shut and you just say that you're going to support whatever decision he makes. And, but in my head, I was like, I hate this decision. I hate this decision. It was about to be summer. I was thinking we would go on like a two week road trip or something. And we can't do that when you're in the corporate world, you get like very little vacation. So now I'm like, we've got to save that for the holidays or whatever. And, um, and so it was a very hard summer. And I think I just knew in my head that he had to do that to get the clarity to get, which I say all the time, you can't get clarity without experience and you can't sit there and go, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And I also think it was really nice this time for you to leave the corporate world on your own terms. You got to leave on your own terms and now you have full ownership of like, this really genuinely is the life I choose to have. I wasn't forced to have this because I got sick and lost my job. I know I can make money at a corporate job. I know I can make money working for myself. Mm -hmm. This is the life that I am choosing to have. And I think there's a lot of freedom in that. Absolutely. So I want to get into the nuts and bolts of how y'all run your finances. How do you split up your bank accounts? Um, And how do you run the accounts of a thriving business alongside of your personal accounts? When Jessica, you're kind of in charge of what you pay yourself. Um, So how do you keep things separate um, and consistent and clear? So when we got engaged, I, I knew that the reason why majority of people get divorced is because of finances. And I really wanted to do everything that we could to never have an argument about finances. And I thought if we can get a system in place, then that just takes that big, huge chunk and worry out and we can have more fun in our marriage. And I also didn't want to have to ask permission for things And I didn't want Brian to, I hate that. Like, I hate it when I hear, it just sounds like a miserable way to live. I have friends that say that they'll buy something and they hide it under the bed and they, you know, things like that. And I just think that's miserable. And so I bought, I bought us a book. It was called Automatic Millionaire by David Bach. And one of the things that he suggested in it, Brian and I both read it together. And one of the things he suggested is he said, you need to go into this knowing that you may think right now that so-and-so is the, which by the way, I just want to say, I hate this term. I hate this term. we got to come up with a new term. But so-and-so is the breadwinner, right? And, but you need to know that realistically that that might not always be the case. So for example, Brian fully supported us for 11 years. I did not bring home a penny for 11 years. We've been married 14 years. Almost 14. So that that shows you right there how huge of a chunk of time Brian supported this family, okay, financially. And so I remember thinking when I was reading the book, I, I did. I just remember being like, well, Brian will always probably be the, be the breadwinner. And I just thought that. I don't know. I thought that I would have a job. I'd have my own business. But I never dreamed that it would be what it has become. But back to the book, I thought that that was a really valuable, and it was just like a sentence. It was like, just be aware that whoever is bringing in more income now, that might not not always be the case. And also, if you are in a home where one person is working outside of the home and one person is working inside the home, that that is still a job, that that is still work. And it, it was very much, and I don't know if this part was in Automatic Millionaire or if it was in something else that I read, but it was 
having the conversation from the very beginning of writing down a list of all the things that it takes to run your new family together. So Ryan and I were getting married and we wrote down all the things like grocery shopping, planning meals, um, cooking meals, cleaning up after a meal, taking out the garbage, dry cleaner, laundry, cleaning, mowing the yard. Like these are all the things that are going to happen. And we sat down, we wrote down all of these things. And then we circled like which ones, which ones he wanted to take care of, which ones I wanted to take care of. So that there was never a resentful, like, I'm washing the dishes again. He never helps me wash the dishes. That, well, that's my job, not his, or that's, well, in our family, that's Brian, Brian washes the dishes. I cook the meals. So there's a, there's a communication, there's a role. Same with business. If you know what your role is, there's not going to be any drama, right? If you know what your role is and you stay in your lane, there's not going to be any drama. And that's the same with your family and with your partner. So we knew what our roles were. And then with, with the money back to David Bach, he said, the best thing that you can do is when you get your paycheck. So at this point, Brian was the only one making, making money. So, or bringing home money financially, but I was still doing a whole lot of things that were on that list. So taking care of our life together. And you really have to view it that way. Not as like a homekeeper and a, and a corporate job person or what you have to view it as like, we are both contributing to our life together, to building the life that we want to together. So because we are both contributing, we are both going to reap the reward of the finances. Mm-hmm. And so when the check comes in, the first thing you do, and it teaches you this, is you 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 contribute to your 401k. That is how you become an automatic millionaire. That's how you become a millionaire before 40. All of those things. If, if When you're in your 20s, if you can contribute first and foremost to that, then great. And then you never touch it. We've never touched it. And Brian has built a really nice 401k. And I give him credit to that. And I give this book a lot of credit because it just said, you pay yourself first before you pay anything else, before you pay a gym membership, before you pay your groceries, before you pay anything, you pay yourself first with your 401k or your IRA or whatever. And I give Brian a lot of credit for that. So that was just automatically, we had that automatically taken out of his paycheck through his corp- through the corporation that he worked with. And that was another thing. Anything that you can just go ahead and have pulled out so that you don't see the number. Make it all automated. Make it, make it as automated as you can, the better. And then, so then what you have left, you take 70% of that paycheck. So just for like the most um, round number, like let's just say that paycheck comes in and it's $1,000, right? Um, after 401k has been paid and all that. You take 70% and that 70% goes in a joint bank account. Um, and that is for anything that you do together. So that's your mortgage payment because you're living under the same roof. That's your, that's your utilities. That's your groceries. That's your laundry detergent. That's your, you know, if you if you buy a couch, if you go on a vacation together, you go out to eat together. If you go out to eat together, these are the things that come out of the joint account. So you've got $700, you've got 70% in there and you've got 30% left. So what you do is I have my own bank account, just Jessica Zimmerman. Brian is not on it. It's just me. Brian has his own bank account. It is just Brian Zimmerman 
It is not me. Now, a lot of people have an issue with this. And if you have an issue with this, I think there's a bigger issue, to be honest. And I think you need to really ask yourself why you wouldn't be okay with this. I don't need to see Brian's own bank account because I trust him. Brian doesn't need to see mine. He trusts me. What you do with that 30% that's left over is 15% goes into mine. 15% goes into his. And that is for anything that is just I want to do or that just he wants to do. So if Brian wants to go buy a new set of golf clubs, as long as he has that money in his account, he can go buy them. And if I wanted to buy, let's just say like a new pair of jeans, or if I wanted to buy a painting for our home or something, what this does is it takes out the frustration of, did we have enough money for that? Did you just spend our money recklessly? So if Brian came in, with a set of, a brand new set of golf clubs. I'm genuinely happy for him. He saved that money in his account and he bought them. I I know there was enough money because that's what that account is for. Um same with me. If I came home and with like a pair of shoes or something, Brian would say, "Oh, I think those are really pretty. Yeah, I love those. Good for you." There was no it immediately from the very beginning took away that well, how much did that cost? Well, you do know insurance payments coming out next week. You know what I mean? There, it just took that out. And Brian, especially during the beginning of our marriage, was more of the saver than I was. And so I think that made him feel comfortable knowing that he had money in that account. Like if there ever was an emergency or something, like he had saved that money. Also, when we would go on a date, because his uh, his separate bank account that was just his had a different debit card. And if he paid for dinner with that debit card, nothing was nicer than that to me. Because even as a married couple, like he was still treating me to dinner. So then another income comes in. So then I started working for another, for um, a company called The Kitchen Store. It was a local business. That's where I went to really learn about how to run your own business, like a family owned business. So I started bringing home money. So we did the same thing. It was percentages. So 70% of my paycheck went into joint, 15 into mine, 15 into his. And so it was all about equal percentages, not equal pay. Yeah. And the 30, I mean, you can do whatever percentages I guess you wanted to, but that's just what David that, suggested. That's what he suggested. And that's what we went with. And, and I, I don't know if we've adjusted that over time. I'm sure we have, but that always just that we still have those three accounts. Yeah. Yeah. That concept has always worked for us from the, from the start and the, the whole setup things as much as you can set them up automatically because you just don't see it. It goes out and you know, that just worked for us. And we also, this is what's really important. And I actually teach this program. I have a program called Know Your Numbers. And we have an entire module that is personal finances. And it is the exact method that Brian and I use that we do for our family, for our personal finances every single year. We sit down, we do a net worth statement, we create a budget together. And Brian, keeps up with the personal budget and the personal investments. And I keep up with the business. It is true that what you said about it's, it's how, you know, incomes may or may not, you know, tip the scale might not tip back and forth like it has for us completely, but things are going to change. Your family is going to, you know, maybe grow your family situation is going to change or, you know, one's going to make, 
you know, one's income is going to grow over time. So the percentage thing really spoke to me and it just gave us, it, it was very clear to me that when two people come together, your finances join, that was a concept that, that I could get on board with. And, and we didn't, that just took, that took the whole finance, you know, frustrating time that a lot of couples have that, that just took that out of the, just completely off the table. Mm-hmm. And I think, good for us mm-hmm. for the first you know to start our marriage that way and um that was awesome that we were able to, to get that little piece of, you know mm-hmm. piece of information and it came our way and and it, it worked for us mm-hmm. it really did i think too that something i'll give brian a lot of credit for is really being open to sitting down and creating a plan with me like i'm a planner by nature and not everyone is and i think that him sitting down as, as it's important to know your numbers. It is important to know. I don't, I don't think a lot of people actually know how much money they are physically bringing in. And they they kind of don't want to, they don't want to know. I think that, um, I I think that the whole ignorance is bliss kind of thing, kind of like, let's just keep going. I know we're, I know we're, we're saving a little, I know we're spending, we might be spending. It's, you know, there's a lot of, Freedom. There's so much freedom freedom if you just take that time to sit down and look at them and and know, you know, because there's a lot of people like I don't I don't want to look at my bank account today. I'll just wait. And it's like, just look, you you just got to know. Brian and I probably now two full days. We take it. We take two full days out in November and we figure out the plan and the budget for the following year. And so that's what we're doing right now is we're getting all of that lined up for 2020. And it's good to see, and we keep all of this information every year. And it's good to see the growth or what our goal was. If our goal was to pay something off or to pay something down, mm-hmm. we are, you're able to achieve that if you have a plan. There's so much freedom in, I work to travel. <laughs> I mean, I work so that I can provide for the family. I work so that I can encourage other people and, and help them in their own journeys, but I love to travel as well. And so that is always going to be something that's on the spreadsheet is a budget for that. And if I know a place I want to go, I don't just say, Oh, I would love to go there one day. I actually do the research, figure out what does that cost? What does it actually cost to go there? Okay. Let's get it in the spreadsheet. Is that possible? It may not be possible this year, but if we put this much back, then it's possible next year. I mean, you can actually do the things you want to do. You can make your dreams reality if you will take two days out of your life and create a plan and write down some things. And like I said, I teach our exact personal financial program. It's an entire module in Know Your Numbers. So I'm excited to, you know, to share that with others because it has been really, really freeing for the both of us. And I think it's important to note that I think people think by not looking at their numbers that they're avoiding discomfort, but really what they're avoiding is like celebration when they hit a goal or you get to go on a trip you want to go on because you knew exactly how much you had to save. Um, And so I think like the ignorance is bliss thing is why people don't look at their numbers, but it ends up just taking away from any like big awesome moments like 
paying off your student loans or, you know, going on an awesome trip or being able to work from home or stay home with your kids or whatever, because those things could be possible for you if you were willing to look at the truth of what's in your accounts and figure out what you need to do to get whatever it is that you, you want or to get your life to look the way you want it to look. Okay. So Brian, if you had Oprah's money and you had to spend it on yourself, what would you buy? This can be totally selfish. Oh, wow. Oprah money. That's big time. I would say, okay, I would definitely build like an amazing home gym. I'm talking like something you would see on like an NBA player, like a you know, a professional athlete have at their home. Like Mark Wahlberg style? Yes. Like Mark Wahlberg. I have seen his just like that. And uh, and then also on top of that, I would hire a personal chef that could make all the stuff we wanted. We wouldn't have to mess with that. Oh, and they would grocery shop for me as well. <laughs> that would be amazing. And they could make us all the good stuff, all the healthy stuff. And... We could just have no excuse. That would be for amazing. Not being healthy and in shape. Well, and after what you've been through, like health is super important. Yeah. So absolutely, absolutely. My health, I've been blessed to get it back, and I want to keep it. Good answer. So I think that tells you a lot about Brian and about, about that's his life with contentment. And I am very content living my life with Brian. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast, honey. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you. See you guys next time. If you loved what you heard today, even if you liked it a lot, you should subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you back here next time in the Zimmerman Podcast.